Welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. Today, your broomstick over the rainbow to your Aussian coven. We are your co-hosts, Tara and MK, and this is our Good Witches of the Concrete Jungle series, peeling behind the curtain and normalizing what it means to be a modern-day witch in our no-place-like-home of New York City. Historically, witches have been misrepresented and persecuted by the claws of the patriarchy for centuries. As witches represent an uncontainable feminine energy, many have been taught to fear or relentlessly other. But witches run rampant and rule in the land of Oz and have us now gathering with local sorceresses to untether the stigmas and define the power of this identity for each of us. So no matter if you are a good witch or a bad witch or a something in between or what the heck even is a witch, you are welcome here. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the magical matriarchy. Rebecca Vega Romero, she, her, ella, is a triracial Latina bruja, performer, and scribe who resides in her native NYC with her black cat, King Arthur Yoda, who makes an appearance in this episode. (laughs) Rebecca has graced stages across America, from Massachusetts, Louisa the Fantastic's Cape Playhouse, to Colorado, Martha Cratchit, a Christmas Carol Denver Center, to Washington, Maria Westside Story Fifth Avenue, as well as in many more productions, readings, and workshops. Rebecca holds a BA in English from Boston University and is a Young Arts Award-winning writer. Rebecca's poetry has been featured by Sixfold and Ars Poetica. She is a resident playwright with Playground NY. She wrote, starred in, and produced the short film The Question, a comedy about hashtag dating while mixed. Rebecca hopes her work will inspire other mixed-race girls to realize there's a place for us. In this episode, Rebecca shares practices inspired by the winter solstice that had recently passed at the time of recording, as well as the new moon in Capricorn currently to come. Fellow witches and witchlings, you may want to grab a journal for this one. May your pen be your wand. Hello, listeners. Happy solstice season because we are being ultimate witches of Oz today. Well, witches of the concrete jungle. We have another very special guest here with us in our Good Witches of the Concrete Jungle series. This is my Mia Sorella Strega, Mia Hermana Bruja, Rebecca Vega Romero. She is one of my favorite people on this planet. She's amazing. A weaver of words and of poems. She voices often what's like on the fringes that's hard and intangible to put a voice to, as well as being quite a mystifying performer. She's the only person I ever want to see play Maria and West Side Story. Okay. (laughs) That's it. I don't care if when you're 50, Rebecca, I will say only Rebecca (laughs) and West Side Story as Maria. Slash like as Doc someday, please. Thank you. I'm here for it. Because that would be great. But Rebecca, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Oh, we're this in so many up. different time zones today. MK Hey on the hey, on the hey. West Coast. West Coast. <laughs> Pacific Standard, so, baby. Is it warm? In Cali? Yeah. I'm wearing my beanie to make it look like it's wintry. But what is it? Is- what is it? 
<laughs> it's probably like a cool 51 degrees. Get out. Oh my God. Yeah. We're Get like out of plummeting. here. I know. I mean, Rebecca I know. wins. Rebecca, where are yeah. you in the world right now? So I'm in Denver, Colorado, finishing up a run of A Christmas Carol at the Denver Center, which has been, it's just a really magical place to be in Christmas time. There's lights everywhere mm. and the mountains in the background. But, and, and it's been pretty mild, except that last night, uh, the temperature dropped and it's negative 17 degrees this morning. Oh, we had a beautiful God. snowfall last night. Sure. I got to dance in the snow on winter solstice, which was just really a lovely way to end a two, a second of two, two show days um, in a row. But Magical. yeah, it's, it's Magical. really cold. It's so closed that I have the windows, the, the blinds closed to, keep the heat in oh my gosh yeah anything negative or like single digits i'm staying inside honey well it's it's happening Mm -hmm. like this weekend is supposed to be and we're just to presence what time it is like right now we're on the precipice of the christmas eve christmas day weekend and the weather is supposed to drop i think like pretty much nationwide like drop um this weekend like we're getting ready for like 20 degree weather here like i didn't bring any winter coat to south carolina okay <laughs> she said sweatshirt oh, no. so i got mittens today and you i got, got more jessica simpson i have my jessica <laughs> simpson tj maxx sweater <laughs> so i'm ready but rebecca burr we are sending warmth sending a little yuletide log your way <laughs> we'll stay cozy okay. together yes i feel really cozy right now Okay, I have a heating pod, a heating pad under my butt. Ah, that's why. <laughs> the best way to live. Okay, well, Rebecca, just to start us off, um, if you wouldn't mind, like this is very circly of us to say this. If you wouldn't mind just presenting anything about your identity you want known to our listeners, perhaps any witch flavors in the moment, and. Just to get us into your day and your life, I know you told us it's very cold and you just shared a little something, but what is enchanting you at this moment too? Just to start there. I love the word enchanting. I've been, ooh, Tara. I've been looking for my word for 2023 (gasps) and that's going on the list of possibilities. I've been really struggling with that. We'll get into word magic later, but that's, thank you. That's enchanting. Um, Okay. So I am Rebecca Vega Romero, as you said. Um, I am a mixed race, uh, Latina, Jewish, black, white, Taino, uh, city kid, bisexual, extremely neurodivergent human. Um, I am a poet. I'm a performer. I sing songs and tell stories and help people connect with their magic through tarot, through poetry, through musical theater. Um, I'm also an auntie and a sister and a daughter and a friend. And yeah. Why are your identities making me emotional? I like, know I that was well, my eyes are like tearing up. <laughs> that was gorgeous. And I'm a proud cat mom to King Arthur Yoda. King and Arthur Yoda, Arthur Yoda, mm-hmm. who loves to Stop. disrupt a self tape moment. 
RDL <laughs> Ray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I am a bruja. I'm a channel for divine wisdom and I interact with the elements and I incorporate various traditions from my heritage of um, Judaism and Catholicism and brujeria um, to make magic a daily practice. Wow. You're such a, like, you are an intersection of so many things, like having like really divine like collisions, which I think like, I love chaos magic. And I think the best kind <laughs> yes. of magic is chaos. Like when things, you know, I don't know, like things maybe you don't think should go together do. And like what they usually create is like, you know, like I always think of purple, like purple exists because of red and blue and purple, like with the world without purple, <laughs> no, that's like which your you're wearing right now. I'm like yeah. wearing a full Head purple ensemble. Cause yes. I need right. to get my work in it, work out in later. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say, it looks like my Jessica Simpson outfit. This is what you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the greatest thing is like that this fleece is from my West side story contract last year. That was like where I met a big part of my soul family. And then the sweatshirt underneath it is also from a show, but like literally from a show. Um, <laughs> Like your character wore it on character wore it on the stage. Wow. Upcycling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I love love this. Okay. So you just told us a little about a bit about your magic. Tell us a little bit more about your (laughs) yellow brick road that led you to claiming (laughs) your multifacets, your your witch, like how that lands and all this. How this lands in all of it, and you're yellow. Sure how dare you know? You know just have to you throw know that in. Take it there. We yeah. have to, we have to always take it there. So you could tell us a little bit about how like which came to play into that. We also love to ask like your pop culture literary witch coven, like who is present. Like we often get like a Sabrina Ooh. figure, a Stregonona, like anything like that is great. So just mm-hmm. maybe starting with your origin into why you started gravitating towards magic and then that can maybe come into some sort of definition. Mm. Swirly. Yeah. Just be swirly, Rebecca. Swirly <laughs> chaos. We love it. So just be me. Swirly chaos. Just be <laughs> yourself. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with magic in the home, which I think is not, I, I don't know. I can't speak for every household, but I I think it is common in a lot of Latina households. It's either like no magic, it's evil and like, like completely Uh. not present or it's like we do it, but then we pretend that we don't do it or we fully do it. And my family was the middle camp of like practicing witchcraft and then pretending that we didn't or like literally. And that's my experience in my thoughts. So, um, what does that look like? What does that look like? Can you give us a so example? On my mother's side, her whole family's Jewish um, and white. And there, I do believe that there's magic on that side of the family. I just, I know that it's many generations back and not like mm. accessible. Like that is not um, something that 
my mother grew up with or her mother grew up with. Heard. Or even her mother. But on my father's side, magic was present. Like, he did spell work. And I know that if he ever listened to this, he would be very mad that I talked about it. Too bad. So sad. Um, (laughs) But – So I grew up with Judaism and I also grew up with Catholicism because my father's mother would take me to Spanish language mass um, when I was little. And then my dad would be, you know, doing simmer pots and uh, uh, incense work and candle work. Um, I don't think I knew that, Rebecca. I didn't uh, know that about your dad. I love this. Yeah. Yeah, but he it was also like he made magic very inaccessible in that it was like only for him to do and like he was the brujo Heard. and there like um anybody else's magic was dark and bad like don't go get a palm reading don't go get a tarot reading like uh, literally everybody skeptical. else's magic is dangerous. Um I know one of my grandmother's sisters was practiced brujeria um like I feel like in talking with other Latinas, there's always like, you know, one tia who is the bruja, who is loco, like just a little, (laughs) hi, buddy. Arthur wants to say hi. Hi, Um, Arthur. Arthur the cat is here. (laughs) Um, He's a, for those of you who are listening, he's a massive black cat. He's like, the length of familiar. He's my familiar. <laughs> there he is. Hi, Arthur. Welcome. Welcome. What would you like to say witness. to us, Arthur? <laughs> this is your he's moment. He's usually chatty and he's being so quiet. He's holding space. He's listening. Yeah, good boy. So, yeah, so those were like the origins. And um, I really grew up, like, I really tried to be a good Jewish girl. I got my mitzvahed. Um, and then in college, I was I was always deeply unsatisfied with Judaism being only for Jewish people, only for people born of Jewish mothers. Um, as like a mixed kid, I didn't like that. And I didn't like the way that my Jewish friends who had Jewish dads but not Jewish mothers were treated. Um, oh, interesting. And I – yeah, so I spent, wow. you know – time in college kind of being like, I guess maybe I'm just an atheist. And then my abuelita, my, my dad's mother got sick and I went to a Catholic church to pray for her. And because I thought that she would like it. And I lit a candle and I sat in the back of the church and I connected with Jesus. And I was like, what is this? Oh my God, this is so scary. Um, so and then I fully followed that and I converted to Catholicism. Um, wow. I wow. yeah. So I I practiced Catholicism for several years. Um, I was even married in the Catholic Church, and um, a couple of things coincided to draw me both away from the church and into my magic. One was that that marriage was very much me hiding from myself and from my destiny and from my big dreams. Um, and that's my side of it. Like I, I don't hold any rancor towards my ex-husband. I am sure his side of it is very different, but 
basically as soon as we got married, I was like, oh, this is a mistake, but I don't know how to fix it. Like I felt trapped in this choice that I had made. And I had a friend who had started reading tarot cards and she used me as her guinea pig. This was a friend from theater who's now become a full-time tarot practitioner. Um, She's absolutely brilliant. She runs Persephone's sister. Please look her up and book a reading with her. Um, We'll tag it. For sure. Anyway, she used me as her guinea pig and every month we would read and every month it would be like, you need to like break out of these circumstances that you've put yourself in. Like trust that thing that's telling you to leave. Um, Yeah. So once I made the leap to be single again and to refocus on my career, also when I had been like I was in a deep period of hiding. It was, I straightened my hair and I was, I changed my last name. I was like trying to whitewash myself in the theater industry. So those were very parallel journeys of being like, um, it's unacceptable for me to be as intersecting as I am. I was also like deeply in the closet, um, (laughs) in the closet about like, because this whole time, it's not like I suddenly woke up and became a witch. I, my entire life have had prophetic dreams and uh, I just know things that I have no way of knowing. Um, <laughs> a lot of the time to my detriment. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, sometimes it's cool. Um, in deciding to kind of restart my life, of course, this was all like that whole period of, trying to do this was took a little while, but I, I cut off all my hair so that it could grow back into the, um, Afro texture that it is. Um, I took my last name back and I bought a tarot deck and I pretty immediately, started having profound realizations about myself, my place in the world and started shifting other aspects of my identity um, and, and trying new things like not just reading tarot cards, but um, lighting candles with intention. And then um going back to my childhood obsession with um, stones and started using crystals in my work. And then also meditating, like uh, meditation is a a form of prayer, is a form of magic. Um, Using bells and cleansing baths. And and these things have like built over time as I've felt safer to explore my curiosities. Um, I was also such a baby witch when I started reading for other people. I think I had been, I had had my, a couple of decks for like a little over a year. Um, when 
it was like right before the pandemic for leap day. I remember I put a post on Instagram, like I'm doing cards for leap day. Does anybody want a card? Um, and then when the pandemic happened, it was in circle with you, Tara, like specifically that you encouraged me to share my tarot, um, to share that. Like I had been sharing my personal readings on social media and had had some castmates the first time I did West Side Story asked me to do readings for them. And that was deeply meaningful. And I was really like shook by what I, what I was able to see in other people and help them see in themselves. But I didn't take that gift seriously until I was in like a super dark place in my own life and being like, well, I have no right to, you know, practice magic for other people when I can't figure out my stuff. And I think you were like, well, what if that is how you figure out your stuff? It was something like that. (laughs) Um, Pass, Tara. Thank you. Sounds like something to say. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, and it was, and, and several women in the circlehood who, reached out to me and asked me to practice with them. Um, yeah. So, and then, um, over the pandemic, I was running a business called Ruby's Realm Tarot, which was named after my little self, my childhood self, Ruby Reb, um, offering tarot readings. I still do tarot readings for clients privately. If people reach out to me, Um, just as the theater industry has reopened, it hasn't been sustainable for me to run it as a full-time business. Um, I understand that. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, I love doing tarot and I miss it. And, um, so if anyone wants reading, just like find me, I'm here. We got you. (laughs) We'll put your, your connections down below. Oh, Rebecca, your journey. It's so amazing. Thank you for walking us through just all the different, like, well, what is so cool is just like the seeking of self is so strong throughout the whole swirly journey that you just took us on and like putting on different like ensembles, if you will, to see like, do I fit in this? And then like, mm-hmm. you're so good at shaking off the things that don't fit anymore. And sometimes some people can't do that. Like they'll be put in a corset and be like, I guess I'm stuck in this corset and can't breathe for the rest of my life. But when you yeah. realize like, oh, I'm in this painful corset, you shake it off. And maybe, you know, of course, like when you look back at something, everything looks like it <laughs> happened fast, right? Of course, things yeah. take time. Um, but it's amazing to witness you shake off the clothes that don't work, find the clothes that do with your identity and to just keep being in this process. Because I do think like, for whatever reason, a lot of us have been conditioned that by 18, you have to know exactly who you are and what you want in this world and claim it and go after it. And it's almost like it's finite. Like there's a big period at the end and it's like, wait, but what if I'm full of question marks? Is that not okay? Um, So I think it's a little bit of like being a rebel too, to be okay in the question marks, be okay and shifting just from like how our society tends to like track things. Right. Um, yeah. So it's really inspiring to hear your journey. That That's just so interesting to hear that reflected back at me because I often think of myself as someone who like <clears throat> really can be rigid and stick the course 
sometimes my own detriment, but like, I think I only stick with things that matter. So like I, I was telling the story the other day that the child actors in the show, their parents were asking like, how did I become an actor? And I was like, well, I was too. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, but seriously, I was too. I snuck out of my crib. I saw Mary Martin's Peter Pan. And I <laughs> said, you know, I want to do that. And my mom was like, fly. And I was like, sing. And I have never changed my mind. Like, I've tried on other things and I have added other things, but that's never gone away. And that's, I think having that like thread of like, these are, this is the me that is always at the center. And then here are the things that need to be added or subtracted. Yeah. Yes. That to me is the coolest part about adulthood is like you can, you're always going to be ebbing and flowing and changing. But I I relate like there are certain things that I've held on to since childhood that just feel like a core part of who I am and they might change. But I like how you phrase it. Like you might add things, take them away. And it takes a lot of bravery and courage to keep doing that and exploring yeah. it within yourself. The image that I got just then was of this, of a, of a rose bush. I mean, it's like a very specific one that I got to know this summer um, in my travels that I visited a few times and like saw this rose bush kind of like it grow, it blossoms at different times and the blossoms are beautiful and the blossoms themselves change as they unfold. Like they change colors and then they fall away and then something else blossoms, but it's all still the same rose bush. Yeah. Right. I love that. Yes. Be that rose bush. I also just can't help but imagine how you just shared that story about Mary Martin's Peter Pan, like you being like in your crib being like, I want to be that. Like in that kind of a voice oh, at age two. Not, age two. I like – I escaped <laughs> my crib and hid behind the couch to watch this movie. Let it be known. That's still fierce. That's great. I yeah. want to be that. Also, <laughs> this, this rose bush that I'm talking about is like – the coolest thing about it was that the scent of the roses changes as it like so when they're like buds, Ooh. it smells really like lemony and not That's like cool. a rose at all. And then as it blossoms, it smells like sweeter and sweeter, so that it almost smells like a lemon cake. Um, because they're like this like orangey, yellowy, and then they pink, they like change colors. And anyway, I just think that's like a a beautiful metaphor. You are not the rose. You're the bush. You're the thing that is generating the The flowers are a part of you, but so are the thorns and so are the roots and so are the leaves and mm. the, the, con the constancy of that. I love that. The constancy of the changing of that. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes, yes. Yes. And that's very comforting because when you were initially describing that, I was thinking of these big changes in our life and how it can feel like you're actually being uprooted and like mm -hmm. changing plants or changing where you're rooted, but it's not. You're always rooted, but the how it looks might might change on the outside. Yeah. That's beautiful. MK, just what you're saying about like being rooted and it feeling like you're being uprooted, like 
something that was said to me this year that really affected me or gave me grace for myself was the idea that like um, plants are not meant to move. Right. Mm. So um, I have lived a a life with a lot of moving. Um, Like I had a very unstable childhood and then I have chosen this life of performing where I oftentimes have to move to do the thing that I love to do. And I know that you, like, as we said, we're all over the country right now. I know Mm -hmm. that you both understand that. Um, And like, I've, I tend to be very hard on myself of like, well, why is it so stressful to have to pack up every few months? Or why is it so stressful to find a, you know, like why do these things make me feel so um, stressed out when I'm, I'm getting the thing that I said I wanted of like getting to perform and just like, Oh, um, why do your plants die when you move them? like to a different side of the room. (laughs) Yeah. Like it, it is challenging. And just remembering that like you can root back into yourself when you can't root into a place or another person Mm -hmm. is comforting. Yeah. Is that something you, cause I totally relate to that. And it's so funny cause I feel like I beat myself up a little bit. When I feel that way of like, oh, oh God, yeah, why, that's why, Emily, why like, I was sharing yeah. it. You know, you got exactly <laughs> what you said. Like you're doing the thing that you worked so hard to get and now you're feeling anxious. Like you should be happy. And I feel like it's a mixture, right? How have you, do you feel like you've just kind of yeah. come to accept that that's a part of the journey of being an artist and traveling for work? And do you have tips Honestly, and tricks <laughs> to help us all? Oh God. Well, to be honest, I think that's been like a major area of investigation for myself, um, a major challenge that I've been confronted with this year of like, how do we as traveling artists make relationships work and make, um, make a sense of home for ourselves when like, I don't know. It just feels like an extreme version of like life is a moving target, right? So even in the most stable careers, and I do have like, I I feel very lucky that I have friends in all walks of life, Mm -hmm. in all stages of life. And so I can, I can kind of like peek in and see like, oh, over there having this nine to five job, um, there's still like, you get what you want and then you, you're looking for the next thing or you get married and then you're looking for the next thing or you have your baby and then you're looking, well, like, how do I deal with this new human or whatever it is? Right. Uh, we, because we're working contract to contract or maybe doing more of that um, where it's like, okay, these two months I'm doing this show. These two months I'm back home. These next two months I'm doing another show or six weeks or, oh, my God, well, I booked a, an eight-month contract and I'm going to mm-hmm. be gone for this long. How do I make this work? I'm just trying to manifest that longer contract into my life. Yes. <laughs> or even if I come home and I book a show at home, what would that look like? Um, 
I think the thing that I'm coming to or the thing that I'm trying to practice, the thing that I'm really working on shifting is choosing to be happy on the journey. Um, And that's like, we're talking like the last couple of months of like, oh, I have been a working actor for the last quarter of the year. Amazing. I spent so much of that time stressed out about where my next job would be. Um, when instead of enjoying it being here, um, and that feels very vulnerable to share, but I think it's important because I am realizing that 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 was a choice, and I'm unhappy with the results of that choice. And I'm kind of the great thing about life is that you get to wake up and decide how you're going to respond again. Um, so (laughs) I, um, I, I heard this metaphor, I think on a TikTok, but it was like the thing to shift to close the gap in the time between, uh, manifesting something and actually having it in your life is to enjoy the journey. So if you are on a plane ride, I'm I'm about to take a, a major trip. <laughs> and um, when I get on that plane, am I going to spend that plane ride being anxious that we won't make it or being like eager for it to get there already? Or am I going to spend that plane ride writing. I love to write on the plane. Mm -hmm. I'm like a super weirdo and I get, I have written like half of a play this year on my various plane rides. Um, Am I going to be writing my play? Am I going to be reading about the place that I'm going to? Am I going to be listening to music that like inspires me? Am I going to be napping to get myself in the right time zone? I don't know. Or uh, other people who aren't, like me and can't do those things on plane. Maybe you're going to watch a movie or enjoy your book, but like it's highly unlikely that you would spend that plane ride being like, unless you have serious anxiety being like, Oh my God, we're never going to make it. Like I'm never going to get this thing when you are physically on your way to it. <laughs> you're going, it's happening. <laughs> all that, all of that is to say, I am choosing to say these things are coming to me. I've, I've asked the universe for them. I trust that the universe is bringing them. And I'm going to enjoy all of the steps along the way. And that is like a radical shift yeah. in my conception. And I sound really positive about all this. It is spiralic as fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a New Yorker. I curse a yes, lot. Is that okay? Do it. Um, it, it is yeah, a really fucking spiralic journey and it is something that I I sense this as being one of those things where like I'm going to really feel that shift and then something because I'm a person who has um to bring it back to tarot I have the tower and the chariot as my birth cards I'm someone who takes the reins of life and has the rug pulled out and then takes the reins again and in this particular rug pull moment, the way that I'm choosing to take the reins is to 
believe that everything happens for the best and that I am on the next, that this is my next leveling up mm-hmm. and trusting that that means that I'll be able to handle the next tower moment with more grace or that instead of the tower moment happening to me, it will be something that I have chosen. Um, that was really all over the board. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, okay. no, that was great. It reminds me how, yeah, like each day it is, you have conscious choices to make and it is really a lot about perception. Um, thank you for sharing mm. that. Cause I know we both Tara and I relate to those feelings. Yeah. Speaking of, um, roots you are a new yorker you're born in new york city mm-hmm. which i'm really jealous of born and raised <laughs> born and raised <laughs> home alone two dreams i know i know <laughs> i truly not I that he's not from new york also but, like not London. that new york like, there are people who are born and raised in that new york and they have very different very oh. different the plaza <laughs> like the upper east side kids that was not yeah, my life that's a different never life. has been um no but i've lived in every borough except staten island so wow hit me with you okay. don't need that questions. one yeah we're fine <laughs> i know yeah sorry staten island so <laughs> no i love staten good, island the fairy ride there is great i got to the do fairy a, ride is a fun. short film that filmed the godfather's house thing. is there there's a dairy queen it's a good time <laughs> I once rode the ferry to Dairy Queen there. I think I, there was one in Manhattan. Oh, wow. You went to Staten I, Island for Dairy for Queen. Dairy Queen. I, did. I did. That's, I that's was in a short. I was in a short film that we filmed on the ferry ride, and that was the coolest ferry ride experience I've ever had. That's awesome. Um, I love that. Yeah. It's on it Amazon Spider- Prime. Was it Spider-Man? Yeah. We're, no. Casual Spider-Man film? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Is it Spider-Man? That indie film? <laughs> it was just a short student film. Yeah. It was <laughs> Hey um, remember when we went to DC with third roommate and sister-in-law to see the slippers at the Smithsonian? Yes, Tara. Then do you remember how we went to see costumes from the Wiz across the street at the National Museum of African American History and Culture? Yes, Tara. Then do you remember third roommate and sister-in-law schooling us in strategy in the new Wizard of Oz adventure book game? Mm-hmm. Okay, Oz friends, if you want the people in your life who are usually not that into Oz to be really into Oz, we are pumped to point you towards the impeccably illustrated Wizard of Oz adventure book game by Ravensburger. You know the family-owned company behind game night favorites Disney Villainous, Labyrinth, And Jurassic Park Danger? Now they've got their unique stamp on Oz. In a page-by-page chapter adventure that brings the MGM Fab Four into your living room in a teamwork, makes the dream work trip down the yellow brick road. It's the best way to take out the Wicked Witch after all. The Wizard of Oz adventure book game is recommended for ages 10 and up, is suitable for one to four players you can play by yourself, and is available at Target. For more details on the game or other award-winning puzzles and games by Ravensburger, follow them at RavensburgerNA or visit Ravensburger.com. <laughs>
How did growing up in New York City, did it, yes. did it, I mean, it's a, such a funny question because it's like the same as if people ask me, you know, what was it like growing up in California? It's like, well, that was what I grew up with. I don't know. What do I have to compare it to? But um, any sort of things that stand out in your brain from what it was like for you and how you perceived the city as a kid. And then if that, if slash how that led you to intersect with your um, exploration of magic. Mm. Um, I loved the city growing up. I still do. I, I always felt like this deep sense of pride of place, like that this, I felt really lucky to grow up in the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it was until college really that I thought about other ways I could have grown up and realized that like maybe other environments would have fostered or helped me find other parts of myself sooner. Um, Like I, over the last five or six years have become someone who loves to hike and uh, I love nature, but I grew up really scared of it. Oh, (laughs) like, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I'm like, I wonder how much more developed my wildness would be if I had had access to that sooner. Well, I feel really lucky because I got to see a lot of Broadway shows growing up. Um, my Mm -hmm. granny would come in and take me to shows and then as I got older, my school, like at the school programs that I was in would take us to shows. Like I, I'm a proud public school kid and I, you know, on the one hand, I'm, I feel really lucky and I'm grateful for the training that I received. Like I was able to go to conservatory from sixth grade onward. And also, um, those training programs, especially, in ye olden days, no, but seriously, especially at those times were extremely sexist and racist. And as a very pale mixed race kid, I felt uh, ostracized by them. And um, I certainly think that those experiences of like, being in a big pond before I had fully developed my self-confidence and my craft was damaging to me as an artist. Um, like I know, <laughs> I know that a lot of the artists that I admire had time to be the big fish in the small pond. And that's a little different from the city mm-hmm. aspect of it, but I think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. connected. However, right. like getting to grow up with the Museum of Natural History and um, <laughs> the Metropolitan Museum and no um, <laughs> like those, yeah, those really in- inspiring architectures. And there's all of these little hidden bits of magic in New York, like my favorite place in downtown Manhattan where I lived when I was like four. There's um, a panel of glass in the sidewalk where you can look down and see yes the wells from the 1600s. Mm. Um, And there's also a lot of uh, pain that's been paved over. And 
I think as a as a grown up who's done, I mean, as a kid, I would research all of this stuff. Like I, I, like I said, super neurodivergent. So I would have a special interest, learn everything I could and then move on. Um, so like it, it would be like periods of history. So at one point I knew everything about Central Park and like all yes. of the communities that they destroyed to create it. Um, I also knew everything about the Revolutionary War. Like, I say new because I'm like, how much of that is still in my brain? Oh. Right. I was oh, like this too. kicking around. Titanic? Yes. Well, Titanic. Titanic, we can get into, okay, I think part of <laughs> my, like, energetic journey or whatever is that, oh, and I have to tell Felix this. Um, my little brother on the show, we share a birthday. Um. Oh, cool. Which is wild. And I bring that up because the birthday that we share is the day that the Titanic hit the iceberg and also the day no. that President Lincoln was shot. Wow. Um, it's a big day. Yeah. yeah that's it's a big, a big day. day. Are, you the, are you the 14th? The 14th. The 15th is when the Titanic sunk and when he Eventually died. sunk. But the 14th yes. is when it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma's the 15th. That's why I know. Yeah. I didn't know those two things happened on the um, same day. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're all learning here today. <laughs> we are learning. <laughs> yeah. I think my fascination with those periods just started with that. Like, oh, that's an interesting fact. I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like New York, it has its own magic and its own ritmo that if you want to live there, you have to respect. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if – accommodate is the right word, but like be willing to dance with. And it's really important to find ways to connect with the natural rhythm that exists beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been fascinated by the moon. I think especially because Starlight wasn't something that I accessed often, but you could still right. see the moon. Um, yeah. And by water. So we – one of the great gifts of New York City is the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just always felt connected to that river. And there was also – we lived for a time in Brooklyn along um, the canal um, in uh, – Carroll Gardens and that being able to, you know, we would do like water rituals. Like we would, uh, as a family, we would get, my mom would get like a little elephant statue and we would tie up things that we wanted to like let go of for the new year. We would do this at the Jewish new year. It's not a Jewish custom at all. Um, and release them into the canal which is technically littering. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't do for, that. For a good purpose. <laughs> yeah, this happened in the past. Yes, you, you this know. is beautiful. Thank you said you. a word that I wasn't sure what it means, and I don't know what it was. When you were describing New York, you said it has a certain – I'm not sure what the oh, word was. ritmo, which is just Spanish that? for rhythm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. I just – no, I just uh, wanted to. There's, yeah. So I am not fully bilingual. I truly wish I was. I am working on it. Um, I was 
fully bilingual as a child. Like I grew up speaking English and Spanish fluently. And then when my grandmother moved away, um, the rules of my household changed and I wasn't allowed to speak Spanish. Um, hmm. I, but there are certain words that always are like come first in Spanish. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's good. <laughs> I just have, yeah. I just have man- manja for the only like Italian <laughs> word used mm-hmm. in my household, which is eat. <laughs> I love that. Manja. I love manja. that. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I had one, Quick question about New York before Tara has a very exciting tarot segment that she'd like to get into. <laughs> um, because I feel like this is a theme that's emerging with our Good Witch series. Is, and you've gotten a little bit into it, but kind of two-part quick question. Maybe not quick. But um, how has New York City sort of affected your nervous system if it has and is there anything with that that you find you are healing or still discovering at this current point in your life as far as like physical because I really do think it affects you for better or worse yes I'm really shocked that you asked me this question because it's something I've been interrogating a lot this year um and just as specifically over the last few months that I've been going on this like deep shadow work journey of like my propensity to connect with others through negativity or my propensity uh, uh, to look at, to look for what's wrong with the situation or like how a situation could be perfected rather than appreciating like the many fucking blessings in my life. Um, and I'm realizing that a lot of that has to do with nervous system dysregulation. And it's interesting, um, trying to heal that in a different city. So I'm in a city, Denver is a city. Um, and I've been all over the country at this point with my work. And I feel like Denver, as far as American city goes, feels like the downtown feels like a city to me. So growing up in New York, a lot of cities don't Mm. feel like cities to me. Like I went to college in Boston and I was like, what the fuck? This ain't a city, y'all. This is a weird town. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Even Philly is not a city to me compared to New York. Yeah. No. I I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Philly, I like – Philly is a – I love Philly. Like a homey – city town i don't know city town yeah um yeah but it's still also coziness to it yeah that doesn't it feels smaller than rather than large yeah um so the nervous system dysregulation is like i could point to lots of causes for it like is it that i am you know on the spectrum and uh have been masking a lot of my sensitivity for most of my life because both because of growing up undiagnosed and because of growing up in New York and like literally being unable to survive unless I just per- like uh, didn't deal with what was causing all of the um, angst or is it that I have CPTSD because I had a very traumatic childhood. Um, and like in, 
what, what's been interesting for me is like, I've been on this healing journey of working through my trauma. Um, and like, I know, I feel like there are some witches who don't ascribe to psychology or, you know, modern medicine at all. And I am not one of those. Um, I have been doing EMDR therapy, which has been incredibly transformational. And I believe is a form of witchcraft. There, I said it. (laughs) Um, uh, But as I've been healing from various traumas, um, what's been happening is that my neurodivergence has like blossomed. It's like as I've healed trauma patterns, then it's like all of my – I feel like an open – like it's opened up how sensitive my system is and suddenly the things that I will like, why would I be bothered by loud noises? I grew up in New York fucking city, except that I am extremely sensitive to noise. Um, I've like had to wear earplugs in rehearsal on this rehearsal process for the first time in my life. I was like, we were rehearsing in a room where the speakers were like right on top of us and I couldn't, make it through rehearsal without having a, a meltdown. Um, and going through that process was really scary. Cause I was like, am I, does this mean that I can't do my job that I can't mm-hmm. do the thing that I'm, that is like my, it's not just my job, but my passion. Um, and what I found is, in making those little adjustments, like wearing earplugs to music rehearsal and then being like, wow, I can hmm, sing better when I'm not overstimulated, even though yeah. you think that I was blocking out, you know? Um, then because I've practiced that way, I'm able to go on stage without my headphone, without my earplugs and I'm fine. And I can tolerate like somebody singing in my ear really loudly. Um or like mm-hmm. get back to enjoying that rather than being so overwhelmed. I feel like because I was forced to deal with bright lights and sounds and all of that, I didn't know that it was available to me to um, live in a different way, to live at a different pace or change my environment um, until I lived with other Gosh. people. Like a few years ago, I had a roommate who was from – Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. I want to say Iowa. Let's go with Iowa. And he came home one day. I was like, Rebecca, I'm so sorry. Like, do you mind turning turning off the overhead light after like 10 p.m.? And I was like, What? Like, it uh, literally, I just didn't know that that was a thing that people did. Like, I didn't know that you could. But like, I'm laughing because I have like little Christmas lights on and the lights dim, and now I use. Um, light bulbs that have dimmer switches and like can change different colors um, to self-soothe. Self-soothe. Wow. Um, And like, I'm like known for that. Like my friends know that about me or um, I now have um, those earplugs that I take everywhere and I wear them when I go to the theater because honestly, sound design is too loud pretty much across the board. I've seen theater all over America and I just, it's, why are we doing that to people? I don't think that it's necessary. Um, 
<laughs> like it's all beautiful. It just like take it down a notch. Um, and I think that when I go home, I will be, <laughs> you know, wearing those on the subway. Other things that I do to regulate my mm-hmm. nervous system that I've started in the last couple months that I plan to continue or that I had started and stopped and like, um, with ADHD, uh, routines and, um, tools and things have to be not have to be, but like having an attitude of like, this works for now. I'm willing to put it down and pick it back up later when it doesn't work. Um, has been really helpful and healing for me in regulating my nervous system. So right now the tools that I'm using are I'm journaling every night and it's been incredibly healing. I have one of my symptoms is having like difficulty with handwriting, but the more I do it, the easier it gets and the more it feels like um, I'm processing things in a different way and then meditating every morning. And because it's wintertime, I'm using a sun lamp. Um, I think all of those things seem like unrelated to witchcraft, but to me, they are very much a part of my craft. And like, I'm doing my journaling after I've made my offerings at my ofrenda and like done. So I, you know, offer liquor to the ancestors and, um, I just got a tattoo so I can't take um, my salt baths. So I have a salt water bath that I offer on that altar that I sprinkle and I have incense and candle and I do all of those things and then I journal. And that, so that that's part of, like I'm, I'm healing myself with my witchcraft and that's something that is available to you in the city, in any space. You can create right. that little space for yourself. It's like survival for myself in the city. Yeah. <laughs> These kinds of practices. That's beautiful. Oh, Rebecca, thank you for walking us through your relationship with the city. And like the perspective you now have to being outside of it is also mm-hmm. so fascinating. Mm-hmm. This is such medicine. I can't wait to re-listen to this episode, listeners, just yeah. so you know. I took a COVID test during this because <laughs> um, it is 2022 we're doing theater. Tara, I uh, <laughs> secretly have, got yeah. a screenshot of you doing that. <laughs> oh, it in my nose? Yep. Just going around. Oh, I was like, yeah. Sorry. I couldn't I can't resist. wait to listen back already because I was like, my brain is in two places, but this is a great two places to be, I guess. Yes, yes. I just wanted to say one more thing about the city, which was that like – all of this needing to step away from it or getting to step away from it because some people can't. Like, right. You know, all of those things and knowing how deeply appreciative, how deeply appreciative I will be to go home and yes, it's going to be cold and dark, but like Mm -hmm. to get to go walk by the Hudson River, to get to go to Central Park and the reservoir to stand on top of the hill in Harlem and look down at all of the lights um, to see a Broadway show. Um, All of those things will feed my soul in a very different and very deep and very 
profound way than getting to go up into the mountains by myself and look out at the snowy peaks. Like, I think it's important to acknowledge how grateful I am to go home and have that be home too. Yeah. They exist side by side in a way. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Couldn't agree more. Adventure is just down the yellow brick road as the award-winning author and illustrator of Neverland returns with another intricately designed RPG setting book in Oz of Fantasy Role-Playing Game. Wait, Tara, is this Oz D&D? And can we now finally pretend to be Dustin and Will from Stranger Things? Absolutely, MK. While many have traveled with Dorothy Gale to the world of Oz, there is so much more to explore in Oz, a fantasy role-playing game. But know this, there is more to the land and its inhabitants than the rumors might suggest. Appearances can be deceiving, and like any good metalsmith will tell you, the only way to tell a gold bar from a yellow brick is to hit it with a hammer. So begins Andrew Kolb's Oz, a fantasy role-playing game. While 5th edition compatible like its predecessor, Neverland, Oz uses an urban setting point crawl instead of a hex crawl full of secrets to discover via underground trains and a monorail that loops around all four districts of Oz. With different neighborhoods to explore, factions to join, and questions to ask like, what happened to the slippers anyway? Y'all know we're wondering about this. Players can escape to the Emerald City for hours on end. I can't believe you just said Emerald City monorail. How dare. Now, where can myself and gamer listeners find this game? Oz, a fantasy role-playing game, is available via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, linked in our show notes, and most local game stores can order it. Also, to anyone who enters our end-of-the-season giveaway, you may win it, so stay tuned. Can't wait to play this with our pod squad. See you in Emerald City. Okay, tarot. <laughs> tarot, tarot. Okay, a little tarot time. Okay, Rebecca, if I pull two cards from this Oz tarot deck, this is an Oz tarot, the tarot deck inspired by the works of L. Frank Baum from Barclay Mountain. Um, which is a company Yay. that's located in Canton, Pennsylvania. Just thought I'd presence all of that. The inside is so pretty. There, in the box, there is a yellow brick um, road on the inner side of the box. That's really pretty. And then on the other side of the box, there is a Judy Garland esque Dorothy peering at a great big head. Very much Cute. the book Ugh. version because she's by herself. But it definitely feels like Judy love after a day at the spa. <laughs> staring at the head in a down down a dark corridor. I thought I would pull two cards. One for like a blessing for the end of the year, perhaps. Mm. And then maybe a blessing for the unknown mystery year that's about to and this is upon us. Is this for the collective that's listening? Yeah, for our collective. Great. I love this. Okay. I'm excited. All right. So um Shuffling tarot with a broken wrist is really Oof. great. Um, yeah, it's like a poem. <laughs> Shuffling tarot okay. with a broken Which, wrist. Should we do blessing for this past year? Yes. Us? Yeah. All right. Okay. We got the seven of swords. The seven of swords. 
Let me give a little description of this before we <laughs> hand it on over to She's the making that fucks me up. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Uh oh. Uh oh. Good to know. Good, good to know. know. Oh, yeah. The Seven depicts betrayal and deception. Excellent way to leave 2022 behind. And it looks like this is a wizard-esque figure. Um, In this, it feels like, M, that this is one of the bad characters from, I want to say, the Scarecrow of Oz. I could see that. Um, Jinxland. One of those, like, stingy king folk that, like, had that whole, like, like really with the the princess they were trying Gloria right they were like trying to like marry her to some like screwed right. guy <laughs> yes yeah like this feels like that I'm not quite sure if it is but it feels like a devious wizard devious Jinxland yeah that is being depicted in our Oz tarot okay Rebecca what could this card mean as something to a do blessing. at the end of this year a blessing well, <laughs> swords. <laughs> Um, one of my tarot teachers has been Lindsay Mack and the question that she asks about the seven of swords is where and how have you betrayed yourself? Um, ah, friends. Ooh, friends. I just got to chill. The reason I bring this up is there's this, um, wonderful, not wonderful. Breathe with me, everyone. This truth of... (laughs) Betrayal in your life is an outgrowth of betrayal in your mind, right? And um, without getting into the details of my personal life, it certainly feels like a card that has been uh, a teacher for me in past years, a teacher that I thought I had blessed and released, and has come up at the end of this year in, in really painful ways. Um, and one thing that I believe about tarot, especially when doing a big collective reading like this, is that when you're reading for other people, inevitably the message is going to be reflecting something back to you and vice versa. Um, I, I think with this card as a blessing, it's like people are only going to take from you what you're willing to give them, whether or not you acknowledge that you're willing to give it. Um, people, people and circumstances and blessings are only going to leave your life. Like you, you can't, um, you can't push away somebody who wants to stay and you can't ask some, you can't convince someone to stay who wants to go. Um, wow. So I think this card is inviting us to look at the people who have left or the things that we feel we deserved or earned that we didn't get all of the missed opportunities and all of the, places where we thought things were going to happen that didn't happen. Um, This is an invitation to look for those blessings. I think it's also an invitation to be honest with ourselves about where we were holding back or 
trying to take what wasn't ours to take. I, because I've been doing a Christmas Carol for the last three months, mm-hmm. um, which was it's wonderfully long contract. Like we had, we got so much time to dive in and rehearsal, and so much time um, to actually do the show. I haven't had such a long contract in a whole pandemic. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, no, it's been really, it's been really cool to do such a deep dive on this story that I think is really important. And the reason I'm bringing it to a Christmas Carol is Tara, you said this like Scrooge like figure. Um, yeah. And I have been, uh, I feel like I've been working through a Scrooge moment in my life. I'm like calling them Scrooge moments. It's a moment where you, um, bah, bah humbug, bah where humbug. you, bah humbug. But no, it's, I feel like I was in a Scrooge moment or I received a Scrooge lesson and I shouldn't be sharing these phrases because I'm definitely putting them in a play I'm writing. So, but anyway, you know what? <laughs> copyright, copyright, yeah. copyright, don't work. <laughs> no, but this this sense of like we get to see Scrooge's past and we see the moments where he he learns to be a bad person, where he yeah. receives a lesson from the universe, like he gets dumped for being uh, avaristic, and instead of changing and wanting to like using that to be better, he instead is like he doubles down on that. So I'm, I'm using this time to make the opposite choice. And I think this card is an invitation for all of us to say, Hey, what's the place where I have acted in a way that's not in alignment with my values? Ooh, Can I put down those swords that I've picked up? Yes. This is Mm. important work to do at the end of the year. Cause sometimes we just want to be like, the word that's coming to mind is like, fluffy frothy I don't know like just kind of like you know skim the surface but that's like a deep work question that I could only imagine if you can confront that that's like there's going to be less stabbing yourself (laughs) in the year to come right in the year to come and I I also think that the stabbing yourself just made me want to have the caveat I am not using this to self-flagellate I don't and I don't want you to do that it's just like no what don't take what it to I, that extreme, of course. No. It's just I don't think that you can honestly celebrate your accomplishments in a way that's not frothy if you're not saying, oh, okay, here's where I went wrong. Here's what I don't want to carry with me. I'm releasing this. I did a big yeah. releasing yeah. ritual last night, and it's still solstice energy moving into new moon. So if you want to – I encourage you all to write down everything you want to release and burn it outside and then yes. set your intentions first. Yes. Um, and I, I think that's part of this process because also as you're releasing, then, then go ahead and make that list of your fucking wins of 2022. This lover's year mm-hmm. brought a lot of wins to us. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, it was a lover's year according to numerology and the tarot. Um, and we're moving into a chariot year in 2023, which I'm excited for because it's a double chariot year for me. Okay. Double chariot. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, for our next card for the new year, we have a (laughs) six of cups. This is a way more pleasant depicted picture. Is that scarecrow? (laughs) Not to judge our six of swords. 
I don't mm-hmm. think it's the scarecrow. Um, it feels like it might be the mayor of Munchkin oh. City type of energy yes. with another. I can't Munchkin, wait to look or at this. Perhaps whole deck. it's with. It's with Dorothy. I'm trying to check out the shoes, but um, there are flowers coming out of the cups, which are sweet. There's six six of cups. Yeah. We have dome like Munchkin villas behind, and there is a handing over of the cup from a green clad munchkin which is not the traditional munchkin color for going back to the books it's blue mm-hmm. to a young girl who might be our dorothy she's got a blonde bob and we know that john arneal later depicts dorothy <laughs> that way that. um or just a young girl there's a handing over of a cup okay i'll tell you what it says in here rebecca and then you could take this for our into the 2023 blessing The six represents nostalgia and longing for the past. It symbolizes revisiting the past, childhood memories, innocence, and joy. Mm. Okay. So first things first, instead of just looking at the message for this year, I have to put it in context of the card that we got for um, the year before. I think it's fascinating that we got a seven card for our six year and a six card for our seven year um Ooh. oh yeah oh interesting yeah. um i also think of yeah so in t- in tarot for those who don't know um the minor arcana which are the different suits um all each one relates to a major arcana card so the lovers card presides over the sixes because it's the sixth major arcana card it's the num- number 6 so um, you might think of it as like the six of cups, the six of swords, the six of uh, wands and the um, six of pentacles are all like aspects um, of the lovers. Um, you might also think, and it's not that simple. There are other cards that like pair with the lovers. Like you could do two of cups um, and the same goes for uh, the chariot being the seven, the, the seven cards are really cards that you can look at as um, human experiences of that uh, greater energetic force. So uh, the seven of swords is that experience in your mind of uh, taking the reins in a, in a malicious way or taking the, uh, if, if the chariot is all about taking the reins of your destiny Um shedding unnecessary armor to move forward. Seven of swords is about taking stuff that doesn't belong to you or, you know, having stuff taken from you, having agency taken from you. So I think that that cross pollination really speaks to the themes of this year carrying over or having been things that were setting up what's happening for us in 2023 and that, in 2023, we'll be processing some of the things that we went through in this last year or um, like emotionally grappling with that. Um, Six of Cups, though, it can be really, it, it, I think it depends on your relationship with the word nostalgia. Um, some people yep. have, we've talked about this. <laughs> yeah. Like there are some really good things about looking back with fondness. And if you, uh, I will speak for myself that I think it can be really easy to 
find nostalgia dangerous or to say that it's bad to get stuck looking back. But I think if you are consciously choosing to look back with love, Mm -hmm. it can be really healing, especially if you are someone like me who has gone. And we all have. Here's the thing. Everyone deals with trauma in their life. Something. That's the human experience. Um, I don't believe the human experience is to come to earth to suffer and die. I believe that we're meant to learn through um, teaching. Like we we get growth experiences and a lot of them are painful and a lot of them are beautiful. And part of our work as magical practitioners, as human beings – is to reinterpret things. Certainly something I'm working on is like figuring out how to look back and find the joy even in painful times. Um, I think something in the imagery of that is like also looking at what you're being offered and like, is this offering uh, good for you. Like be, I think be aware that you have a, you don't have to, if you are offered crumbs and you want to feast, don't accept the crumbs. Um, and also if you are offered a feast and you're not ready to eat, (laughs) wait, don't make yourself sick. (laughs) Um, Really look at who's offering to you and where you're offering in return to like in tarot, we look at, we look at the broader meaning and then we look at the art on the card. And if I had just one person here in front of me, I would ask you which figure on this card do, do you feel represents you in this moment? Do you feel like you are the little girl receiving the cup? Do you feel like you are the scarecrow giving it? Or are you an outside observer? Um, or are you the and that would tell you what the message <laughs> Are you a sword? Uh, part of the message of the card is That's for you. I love this. Oh. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, I'm still like learning so much. I have so much to learn about tarot. So that was very cool to listen to. Um, but of course, before a rapid fire to wrap us on up, we have to ask, what is your relationship to Oz? And maybe even who are your favorite witches of Oz? Yeah, oh favorite witches. Favorite witches. Okay. She found counts as a witch. One. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She absolutely tops the list. Um, so my relationship to Oz is goes back about as far as my relationship to performing and Peter Pan. Like yes. those were my two like big touchstones of magic. Same. Um mm-hmm. growing up, I mean I remember watching the Wizard and Oz, Wizard of Oz, over and over and over and again. It made me want to sing, and also be magical. I think it it also planted that seed of like there are good witches and bad witches, and right. that is that's harmful. Um, <laughs> yes, harmful. But then also like it's true. There also are people, not. Yeah, also like not, I, yeah. I have now encountered some witches who actively practice evil and I mm. it, it that doesn't make sense to me it mm. makes me angry that's one of those things where I'm like I don't get that um and I maybe want to interrogate that more 
separate issue. Um, but with Oz, I loved I loved Glinda's pink and glitter. That like really spoke to me on a yes. deep level. Yes. I've always been someone who loves that. And the the ruby slippers. Ruby Reb was my nickname growing up. I think I mentioned yes, because, because um, I was a little redheaded child of a black woman and a, a a black man and a white woman who did not have red hair. Um, and so it was a very – they were like, what alien child is this? Um, <laughs> what alien um, is this? Do yes, that's me. <laughs> um, the little ginger. Um, but yeah, so Ruby Reb. And um, I loved Judy Garland to the point where like when I was – I remember like, first, my first existential crisis. I was like seven years old and I found out that she was – not only that she was dead, but oh, like no. how she died. And I locked myself in my room for like a week. <laughs> I was like, not okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing. Something. But I know, it's so, That's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Her voice is so powerful to this day. Um, yes. And Unlike any, anything else. Anything else. I, I loved – I also was that kid who like when I loved something, again, I had to deep dive. So I read all of the Oz books. Um, as a I didn't know you read all of them. That's I amazing. did. I mean, Aww. I know I in listening to your podcast, I'm like, I need a reread because I don't remember oh, hardly I mean, any of this. Me too. You know, <laughs> and you worked at Books of Wonder for a yes. So oh my I god, the eyes first mug yeah. bookstores. <laughs> what? That's Shout cool. out to Peter. Um, no, my hey, first Peter. Muggle job. I always say was at that's Books of Wonder, which is just I. <laughs> Right? That's um, a great – that's like a magical muggle Yeah, that's job. a good It really job. was – I had done, you know, commercial work and like film and TV stuff as a kid and theater. But then in a, high school, I was like, oh, I need to get a like job. I'll mm-hmm. go work at Books of Wonder because it's my favorite place. I love that. It was like my safe place. Um, it's my safe – yeah, my safe space. Yeah. Um, I – yeah, I love The Wizard of Oz and I think a lot of what I – a lot of the stuff that made me want to do good magic comes from that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Come on, good witch. Do you have a favorite I, witch specifically from the canon of Oz? It could be even from Wicked. You can go that Oh, route. God. Yeah. Well, also, I loved. I love Wicked. I still like deeply want to be in that I show. Love I was like, it is. I'm my like, religion. I want to play Nessa and I want to play Glinda. And you know what? There's yep. a someone in the singing chorus who covers both. Sign me up. Oh, um, <laughs> but like, Dreams. we haven't had a Latina Glinda. I like really. I'm like, I have this. I I send in my tapes to Telsey, and I'm always like, this is my campaign to make Galinda Latina. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I sign the petition. I'm here for that. I support. Yeah. <laughs> Telsey, I'm calling in that up. bubble for you. <laughs> yeah. Calling in that bubble, girl. Thank you. Yes. Thank 100%. You. So I think, I think Glinda. Glinda. Excellent. All right. Rapid fire. So you could answer in like one one word, one sentence answers. Here we go. Me? <laughs> yeah, you got it, Rebecca. This is you got to do it some magic. Got to get to it. Put in, okay? Tara's second put in of the week. 
All right. Two podcast interviews yeah. interrupted by two put-ins. Can you believe? Wow. We love it. We love yes, to see you. We've had so many put-ins here. All of our understudies have gone on. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're getting close. <laughs> okay. First rapid fire. Favorite Oz adaptation? Oh. <laughs> I, oh. Is it oh. Is it MGM? Is it? No. Is it Wicked? Um, the- I'm I'm really torn between Wicked and the Judy Garland film, but I think I have to go with the Judy Garland film. Beautiful. Accept it. Favorite magic shop in the city? In the city? Oh. Yes. Fuck, I'm really torn cuz like can you I can just say shout out, I want well, I want to shout out the one here that's been like so yes, in Denver. Denver. Yeah. It's Herbs and Arts, Herbs and Arts in Denver. In New York, Catland Books taught me so much about myself as a baby witch. Yes, Catland. Favorite patch of nature in the city? There's a, a strip along the Hudson River um, between Harlem and the Upper West Side where there are these rocks and you can go out and you're like basically sitting in the river. Ugh. Yeah. And there's trees. Sit in that river. That sounds great. I love that. Okay, favorite thing about the season we're in of winter? How precious the light is. <sighs> You're nailing Beautiful. it. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. You mentioned her earlier. Favorite thing about the moon? La luna. Um, sorry. Uh, how she always comes back to herself and um, how she's been – present for the most meaningful moments of my life. <sighs> okay. It's beautiful. Oh. What does your practice look like as you're in a show? Oh, that really, uh, it really does shift with the role that I'm playing and, and the people that I'm with. Um, for the last few years, I've, I've, done um oracle cards for the people that i'm in a dressing room with or i've done a tarot pull for myself or both um or like when i you know have had my own dressing room it's been like i have open door policy come do that and this show i i did bring my tarot cards to the theater um and my oracle deck and i offered them the first day and then it just didn't feel relevant to the show that I'm in the, it just didn't, was not, they were taking up space in the dressing room in not a helpful way. And I never experienced that before. And it felt like, am I being a bad witch? Am I being selfish that I don't, it's like not, but I took them, I brought them back home and, um, I've been, yeah, I've been. I have my like daily magical practice that I do. The those rituals that I mentioned, and that's been my magical yeah. practice for this show. And it's been very different. And I am letting that be okay. And I, yes. I know that my magic with theater, um, because every show is different. Even playing the same role twice is a different experience. Um, mm-hmm if I, you know, come back, this is a a yearly production 
next year, that might be different here too. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly whatever show I do next, I anticipate that relationship changing. 100. It's the beauty of it. I love it all. Last rapid fire from me. And then Tara has one that we ask every good witch on our pod. Um, So Mm -hmm. mine is, who is your favorite poet? Oh, that's a great question. And actually one that I have avoided answering. Like we're supposed to send in um, Mm -hmm. little poetry bios for the poetry collective that I'm a part of, Ars Poetica. Typewriter poets, we do events. Um, I have so many that it's like hard to nail down. I think Emily Dickinson, Emily Dickinson is like, that's two for Emily, two for Emily, Emily on this series, the the current witch of my, the ever present witch of my heart. Mm -hmm. And then, um, my fellow Ars Poetica poets, um, specifically Claire Edge, who's one of my best friends. And, uh, Talon Gabriel, who's just a f- fucking force of nature. Um, their poem on gender went viral this year, deservedly so. And I have one of their poems on my dressing room mirror. And um, Anthony McPherson, who's also my roommate, I have one of his poems on my dressing room mirror. So um, their words. Dressing room mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I also, you know what? I love my poetry. And I was going to say, you're one of my favorite presents. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) That's so kind. You got it. You got it. Okay. Last question in one sentence. How would you define being a good witch for yourself? Mm, That's deeply profound. (sighs) Being a good witch means... Uh, trusting that what is for my highest good is for the highest good of all. And um, balancing looking for and sharing light with looking for the places that need light. Um, I think being and Arthur's jingles. Yeah. Arthur's <laughs> jingles. Are there? Um, I think being a good witch means being in community. Um, and that both means offering out a hand and asking for help when you need it. Um, and I think you have to have both. I've, I know that that was more than one sentence and I could keep going. I have a lot of thoughts. I love your ands. Times. You're like, and, and, and. I love it. And. <laughs> so beautiful. It's so beautiful, Rebecca. Oh my goodness. Thank you for this. It was, it's a gift to um, connect in this way. It's a gift I for agree, us. And I, I I only hope we can do it more. We have yeah. to we have to perhaps bring you back for a wicked chapter <gasps> you could dive yes. into with us. Please. That'd be so fun. I would love that so it's so happening. Much. Yeah, come back. Expect like, an email. Just, there's just too much yeah, expect an email from us. There's just too much like magic brewing in this. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. just so beautiful. Thank you for being our last good witch yes. of 2022. Thank you so much. It's literally an honor. Oh, an honor to have you. And listeners, thank you for again going on this little side yellow brick road with us as we explore witchcraft and um, 
our our identities as witches as we get to talk to those practicing in our own backyard, as Judy Garland, as Dorothy would say. <laughs> so thank you. Enjoy your winter season, listeners. And Rebecca, thank you again. Thank, thank you all. Want to win a holiday gift bundle of eclectic Oz treasures? We can't believe it, but it's that time of the year again. Time for our annual end of the season giveaway. Not only will we be personally curating two gift boxes to send to two of our amazing listeners, but we will also be giving away three VIP Pod Squad passes for bonus content and community this winter. That's right. Three VIPs will get to experience our virtual pod squad hangs, group chat and close friend experience on IG, vlogs and bonus episodes, including winter 2023 episode breakdowns of NBC's Emerald City, only available to Patreons, merch discounts, our newsletter, and monthly music videos. Oh, it is a good, good time. To enter the end of the season giveaway, Please rate and review us wherever you rate and review podcasts. All previous Apple podcast rates and reviews since our debut in 2020 will be counted as one entry. Please email us at downthewybp at gmail.com or tag DM us on Instagram at downtheyellowbrickpod a screenshot of any other review submitted on other platforms like Audible for two entries. You must make sure you send the non-Apple reviews our way to count. And finally, for five extra entries, join our Patreon pod squad at any tier. All current Patreons are automatically entered. Can't wait to spoil you rotten listeners. Who knows? The winner could be you. It could be you. Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling fresh with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and now Spotify to leave us a glowing rate and review. It's a big help. Each person who leaves us an Apple review will be entered to win our end of the season Oz giveaway, including a gift basket of Aussie book goodies that trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Further fun and ways to support us can be found at our Etsy swag shop from Good Witch Trouble merch to our new Fab Four of Oz icon collection with a big shout out to our graphic designer, Maddie Frank. Find us also on Patreon and Instagram via Down the Yellow Brick Pod, as well as on Venmo at Down the YBP. We always appreciate a tip tip here. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? Okay, Auntie M. Bye.